Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to the final episode of season six, which, if you'll excuse the pun, is a real gem of an episode, as I have with me my lovely friend and master goldsmith, Jeanette Walker. It struck me last summer that of all the fabulous guests I've had on the show, none of them have been from the jewellery world that I inhabited for over 10 years. So I reached out to Jeanette with a view to asking her if she'd come on the show and talk about her work. But at the time, she was in a bit of a struggle with her health and with the weight of all the responsibilities of running her business. She kind of lost touch with that creative drive that had always fueled her, and it was clearly not a good time to go on a podcast. But instead, we set aside some time for some coaching sessions, and I'm happy to say that taking the time to reflect on her energy and what was feeling heavy, and then revisiting all the things that had always been a source of inspiration for Jeanette release something. There was a complete shift and what came out was a reconnection with all the things that mattered to her. I think that's where you'll find motivation and a whole new sense of possibility and the momentum to take you to somewhere new. As you'll hear from this conversation, the more you open up to your own creative drive, the more energised and the better you'll feel. And you'll also get a real sense of just what a gem of a person Jeanette is herself and why it's so fitting that she's a jewellery designer. My guest today is my gorgeous friend, Jeanette Walker. Jeanette is an amazing jewellery artist who takes so much of her inspiration from the natural surroundings of Prince Edward Island in Canada, where she lives with her artist husband, Lindsay, and her beloved dog, Gus. She works from her studio to create beautiful, sculpted, nature-inspired pieces that are made from ethically sourced gold, often using stones taken from family heirlooms of her clients. It's funny because jewellery has played such an important part in my life over the past 12 years, and yet I haven't actually interviewed any of my jewellery friends as yet for this podcast. So for Jeanette to be the first is very fitting, and it's a real privilege to be able to share some of her story and introduce my listeners to her stunning work. We first met when we both joined a mastermind programme hosted by Tracy Matthews and Robin Kramer back in 2016, which culminated in a three-day event in New York. I still have such fond memories of finally getting to meet some of the amazing women who'd been part of that program in person. And the connections that were forged on that trip were a real gift. At the time, Jeanette was such an inspirational mentor to me as a third generation metalsmith who was clearly a real master of her craft. She seemed to know so much more than the rest of us put together. She worked with clients, often taking their own stories, thoughts and emotions to create a piece that's entirely unique to them. And each one is like a a piece of art that reflects part of them in that story. The results are really very special. And you can see for yourself if you go over to her Instagram page, just what I'm talking about. 
Last summer, I reached out to catch up with Jeanette. And when she heard that I'd been making a transition into coaching, she took me completely by surprise by asking if we could set up a session and by saying how much she'd been enjoying listening to this podcast. What came out of that session and holding that space together was a whole new sense of connection with her creative drive that's inspired Jeanette to take business to new levels, maybe in a new direction, and perhaps even starting a podcast of her own. So I really wanted to capture some of Jeanette's amazing story, not only because she's such a talented jeweler, but also because it encapsulates the struggles that we can sometimes face when we're trying to put our art out there in the world. Jeanette, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Kat. You have such lovely words. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe that we've uh, we've known each other for six or seven years. It's really flown by. Yeah, I know, and I have this feeling that if it hadn't been for the pandemic and the lockdown, and because Canada is one of those places I still haven't visited, mm-hmm. it's definitely on my list. You know, and yeah. you paint such a beautiful picture of Prince Edward Island. I know you have very harsh winters. Oh yes, a lot of time. but I love them. Yes, exactly. Even that, it's like time to regroup and just mm-hmm. regenerate and then go outside. Definitely not a time for visitors to come to the island because it is so harsh. It's a great place for artists to hibernate and get lots of really interesting work done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the, in the summer, it's just beautiful. It's a real tourist destination. So tell me about that, how that inspiration translates. Because I know for people who aren't maybe so well-versed in jewellery techniques, one of the things that really struck me about your work, your pieces look like they they are sculpted in the shapes of waves, but you even use this sand casting. So mm-hmm. you're actually taking sand. Yes, and imprinting that those marks onto the metal. So that inspiration of nature is so much interwoven into your pieces. Yes. So the reason why I started using sand casting was because I moved from Toronto, a big city in Canada, to Prince Edward Island, which is a very small community. I don't have casting facilities or other jewelry manufacturing companies to lean on. Um, So I really wanted to be able to make everything from my studio from start to finish. So sand casting provided me, it's such a simple form, simple technique. It's really ancient. So I was able to do everything from start to finish. I didn't have to mail waxes away or anything like that. I would order my metal. So the gold or the silver at the time that I was using. And I would carve a wax, push it into the sand, remove it from the sand, and then pour the molten metal in the reservoir left behind from the wax. And it would take a perfect impression of my wax. So any details that I carved into the wax would show up in the sand and then in my casting. So because I live by the ocean, I walk the beach every day. I mean, sand, we have sand in our home. We bring it back every time we go to the beach. The dog is covered in sand. Like it's just part of our lives. But what I started noticing was I could incorporate the ripples of the beach sand that I was seeing when the tide uh, washed out from the shore. And I could start creating that in the sand, casting 
frame. Yeah. So a lot of my pieces have uh, a combination of the sand texture, and then I refine the metal, parts of the metal, like the details. So I'll have high polished waves and uh, that are lapping against sand textured ripples. Yeah, um, it really shows. I mean, anyone who's listening to this, you do have to go and check out the visuals and we'll try and make sure on my Instagram, you know, I've got some of your pieces because they are they are sculptural, you know, and I would say they are almost like each one is a little unique piece of art as opposed to a wearable, you know, sometimes we think about jewellery and, and its function, and it's a wedding ring, but it's you really take the essence of your surroundings and incorporate them into Mm -hmm. piece but the other thing you do and I think the thing that really connected us and I've got such fond memories of those walks across Central Park when we were going to the events each day and you were sort of helping me to see how you can bring someone's story Mm -hmm. you talk to your clients about their stories the pieces that they might want you know maybe someone who's lost their husband and has a wedding ring and they want to incorporate that gold into the piece that was what just had me absolutely hooked. So when did that process start for you? Well, because I really wanted to use recycled gold and recycled gemstones, I didn't want to use newly mined materials. So this brought me into thinking, okay, well, I'll use recycled metal. And then I started taking in customers old gold, old vintage jewelry, melting down the gold, extracting the diamonds from the pieces, and then resetting those into the new pieces. And so women who have been widowed and have lost their husbands, they often take off their rings that they've been wearing practically their whole lifetime, and they're so meaningful. It becomes part of you, part of your hand over the years. And so they take them off, put them in a box and just, they're not going to sell them because they're, they're, they're so precious to them. Yeah. The whole story of their, their marriage and their life together and, and then losing their, their beloved partners. I would take those wedding sets and melt them down and create a new right hand ring. So it has all the sentiment of those original materials, but it's created, um, it's turned into a new ring, a new beginning. It's all part of it. It became part of the healing process and the grieving process, which is really beautiful. And it's funny. And I think that's what, that's what made you such a special person to talk to because you, you have this way of listening. You just, you just have this natural way of just, Oh no, tell me your story and eliciting. And I guess that's what happens when you get together with your clients. Mm -hmm. They're telling you all their stories. And then the idea that you can then take these things that are so symbolic. And as you say, make a, make a new symbol. And I love, I love that sustainability. I know now how much that just is so important to you that you've actually brought that into your work in a way that serves you, serves your clients, but also really does lean into, I mean, you've been using recycled gold and really thinking about the damage that, you know, one of the dirty secrets of the jewelry industry is how much damage can be caused by mining. You've been doing this for 20 odd years. Yeah. Well, I went to school, jewelry, um, jewelry arts at George Brown College, probably 30 years ago. 
Um, and what really bothered me was always like really tapping away at my, my conscience was the diamond mining, especially, and then the gold mining. But I have um, somebody special to me who is in the, the, uh, the jewelry business. Um, he's now in his 90s. But one Christmas, uh, I said to him, because he would go to Johannesburg. He was part of the diamond industry. And, and I would say to him, doesn't it bother you when you go to Johannesburg and you're driving by like shanties and like major poverty? And he would say, I just don't think about it. And so that really hit home and I started to really think about it. And that's when I started to think, okay, well, how can I do things where I, I personally feel like it's, um, it makes me feel better about using metal and diamonds. And so this whole way of thinking has just slowly over time built into a business that I can feel really proud of. And I think that's, that's something that comes through. It's like, if it, if, if it goes against your own core values, then, then there's a block. You can't really, really lean into it, you know? And I loved, you know, when we last caught up, you were saying, this is now part of your whole philosophy, you know, repurposing clothing and how you can make things out of other things and just bring that whole message into, into your lifestyle mm-hmm. generally. It's just beautiful. In the whole, um, like tr- striving to live a sustainable life, I don't know how much of an impact <laughs> it really has, but it's something that I have control over in my life and it brings me a lot of joy and it's very good actually for my mental health. It just gives me hope. Absolutely. And I, I think, I think oftentimes, you know, especially with all the environmental damage we're seeing and you know, the, the, the messages we have to change, but change does start with those tiny little gestures you know even Mm -hmm. though it might feel like I'm only making one small change in my lifestyle if everybody does that that's I think when we start to see real differences made so well everything is so overwhelming that you can feel like well what difference does it make anything I do isn't going to make a difference but it could actually spark new ideas and and spark inspiration Yeah. yeah and hope um, making tiny little differences, you can start there. And then who knows where that leads? Absolutely. And I mean, that was something that was really coming through when you were saying, you know, if I started a podcast, that's kind of going to be the essence of it. Mm. So have you had any more thoughts about that and how it's going Oh, yeah. So what I'd love to do with the podcast is talk about, I, I'd like to build a community. Mm. Um, so it's, about it's not just a one-way conversation. It's I want to, I want to learn. So the things that I'm interested in, in learning are more sustainable ways of living and building. I'm starting with, um, well, of course the jewelry aspect, I can talk about that, but also I've decided this is the year that I want to make, create a whole handmade wardrobe. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Using, um, natural fibers. So what I've started, what I'm about to start is I'm learning how to spin yarn. I'm learning how to um, use plants from my garden and the woods. 
um, to dye the fabrics and the, and the yarn. Um, and this is something that I'm just starting. So I'm going to make a ton of mistakes, but I want to share what I'm doing with people. So, so I'd like to share, uh, my trials and my efforts and my mistakes and, and the beginning, the journey of, of, of starting this wardrobe. Um, so I, I'm going to be using recycled fabrics. So I'm, I'm buying fabrics from uh, secondhand stores. Wow. I'm taking garments apart. But there's a lot of beautiful fabrics um, in their raw state. So people have bought them, they never used them, and they're sitting there waiting for someone to use. It's so fascinating to me that this is such an essential part of you. I mean, that's what you've been doing all these years with your clients, taking taking bits of jewellery that perhaps they don't even wear anymore, repurposing, finding stones that, you know, you, you add a little bit of sparkle, you might add a few other stones to them, because often your pieces have many different mm-hmm. facets to them, different elements to them. And there you are, you know, this is really coming to the surface now as being, oh, this is what I'm all about it's it's finding well, then, and then i've been taking it thinking of it a little further how um not everyone can afford to buy natural yarns they're really expensive mm-hmm. um it's a real luxury but if you go to um the secondhand stores you can take like i, I just bought this beautiful men's men's sweater that's years old but in really great condition and i'm pulling it apart and i'm going to use the wool from to create something new yeah i love that i'm trying to think of ways where it's not so expensive and it's accessible to almost everyone like if you have the time time is also a luxury but um you know i started knitting which is it can sound really boring but um, over the pandemic, I didn't want to sit in front of the TV or, um, cause I found myself doing that a lot. Um, so I wanted to start doing new hobbies that, um, could enrich my life. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. Cause I think that's the other thing you've been, you've always been so aware of that creative process and how it's so impactful on your mental health. Yes. And I would say for me, that is something that resonates so much when I, when I, either it's a sign to me that something's going wrong when I stop being creative or when I feel like things are getting out of kilter, where can I start leaning into my creativity? Even if it's not, you know, not getting worried about the outcomes and this has got to be something I have to sell, but it's about just Uh sitting with that process. Really? I find when I am worried about things, yeah. my mind races and I start to go down this, uh, this path of chaos and anxiety. Yeah. But what knitting has done is it, you're sitting there with your, your needles and your wool in a quiet space and every single stitch becomes a meditative process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it really helped me. And the other way that you talked about, because there's obviously in the winter, you can't get out so much, but I feel like walking has been that for you. Oh yeah. You know, it's just. Well, every day, even in the winter, in the worst condition of weather, we still walk in the woods, we'll snowshoe, we'll go to the beach. The winds are wild, um, but the beach is frozen. The water's frozen and it's like, it's unworldly. 
it's like being on a, on the moon or a different planet. Um, but it feeds my soul. It so does. And it's so true that, you know, that word wild kept coming up for you. It's like you live in that environment, which I can only just start to imagine, you know, it's just that you really are very, very close to nature in in a way that I don't think I experience, you know, it's, it's being that coastal life, being exposed to the elements and they're so severe, especially, you know, those sort of harsh winters. Our, uh, well, our landscape is very similar to England where you have the, the cliffs, yeah. you know, you walk along the cliffs and you, you get that, the cobwebs just blow out of your mind from the wind. Yeah. Um, but then there's that added element of um, severe cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if I can cope with it. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's where wool knitting wool comes in handy. I know I'll knit myself a jumper <laughs> or three. <laughs> yeah. I can see that there's method to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's also, I think what's carried you through is that you've got a great access to humor, you know, when you need it. You you just sort of find the funny in, in so many things. Oh yeah. Um, that was definitely a connection in New York. It was that kind of moment where you go, what are we all doing here? And and the moment where we all realized that we thought everybody else had it all together. And, oh, and yeah we were the only ones in the room that didn't um that was a real bonding moment for sure so we were going to talk about you know you've had businesses uh you had a shop at one stage and Mm -hmm. you've been very good at knowing when something's not serving you anymore and having to pivot and you've been right through the whole progression of taking things online you know that was back when you first started your business that was not not something that anyone was talking about You've been really good together with Lindsay at building social media profiles and getting all of that. But what have been some of the challenges for you? Well, there's always challenges. It never ends Mm. Um, unless you stay stagnant. And I find if I do that, then um, either uh, like the universe will make will make you budge. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So at the beginning, when I moved from the city, I had a little shop in the city. We moved here not knowing how it was going to go, but we knew it was a hot tourist spot. So the summer was very lucrative, but then the winter, absolutely nothing. So we had this expensive retail space for our brick and mortar gallery. We had four to five employees at a time. So it was a real struggle to uh, financially to keep it going because you'd be bombarded with orders all summer long and then nothing in the winter. So it was like feast and famine, which is a terrible roller coaster ride for your body and for your mental health. Um, So over the years, I mean, I spent many nights sleeping on our studio floor to, to make sure I could get orders finished. Oh my goodness. On time. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, but I was young. So it was exciting. We had a beautiful gallery. It was great for a while. Yeah. And then over time, I just started to burn out. And so that, that wasn't serving me anymore. But I, during, I'd say for those six years, our first six years, I accumulated a really nice client base. Mm. So then I went from, we had a few, we we moved our gallery a few times and then 20, 
15, that's when I found Flourish and Thrive. And um, they, they provided a mentorship that was just invaluable yeah. because I didn't know how to transition. I wanted to go online um, so that in the winter, I'd have my online sales, hopefully. And in the summer, I'd be busy with my shop sales. And then eventually I started to think, well, do I really need a brick and mortar anymore? Because they helped me to develop a really um, great website that's, that, um, that sold really well. Yeah. And then I, so I got busier and busier. So then I let go of the brick and mortar. I moved into a small studio space where I could still have appointments. It was by appointment only. So I could sit down with my clients um, and then once the pandemic hit, I got rid of the studio space and now I just work online mm-hmm. and I meet with my clients just like I did face to face on Zoom. Yeah. And did you think it would have been possible to imagine doing that completely online without the sort of help of the pandemic to kind of make it necessary? It, it needed to happen. Right. But what what that what the pandemic did was people, they started to get comfortable using Zoom. Exactly, yeah. So it opened up a huge, um, a lot more people were available to me and I was more available to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, And I think your connection with your clients is such an integral part of your business. You've always really bonded and formed a very personal relationship you know, even if it's not for a full custom heirloom redesign, there's this empathy that you have for the people on the other side of the sale that is just huge. Well, and because the work is a higher end, I think it's difficult for people to just purchase something for thousands of dollars without at least speaking to the, the vendor. Yeah. Like you need yeah. to have that level of trust. And then I feel like we do some beautiful images of our work, but half of um, the reason why I think people work with us is because of that connection. Yeah. Like they do build trust knowing that it's a real human being that's going to be making my peace and I can trust her to do what, what we've agreed to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how much does word of mouth play a role? Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's our, it's our biggest way of marketing. Yeah. And you can't buy it. You can't, no. you know, but I can imagine because the pieces are so distinctive and so sculptural, you know, these are not tiny dainty pieces, but they're talking points. You know, I imagine most people who wear your rings will have someone go up to them and go, my, what you have to tell me the story behind that. Where did you get it? You know? And then there is a story yeah. around how it was made. Well, how the, the very first time I realized how much um, the word of mouth matters was like when I go to the grocery store here in town, um, I'll be in line. The cashier will look at my ring and say, oh, I love your ring. Yeah. I'll say thank you. And then, you know, all the different aisles or counters <laughs> beside me, the other person will say, look, but I have one too. <laughs> amazing small communities it's like yeah. yes yeah. and then so therefore are you a little bit of a sort of minor celebrity where people go 
that's the lady who does the job. Yeah. yeah. God, that's really lovely. Really lovely. Because I've, it's an older community here as well. It's a very, that's a, a great place to retire. Right. So there are a lot of women who have lost their husbands. And so that there's a, there's quite a few of my pieces on, on their hands. Yeah, well, that's that's such a legacy, and I think for any artist, there's always a small part of it which is, what am I leaving behind me? You know, what am I? And for you, because it is all about that sustainability, it's about repurposing and and knowing that these these pieces will probably be handed down through the generations. That's mm-hmm. so powerful, so lovely. I'd never heard you describing that. I hadn't really thought about the fact that a lot of the pieces don't make it even off the island. Well, now, I mean, because we don't have a store here anymore, uh, I'd say it's 75% off island, 25% on island. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And how much does, you know, we talked about family heirloom redesign and, and I, you know, I know you relate really well to people who, who just need someone to sit and listen to their stories so people who maybe been through their lives but do you get involved with um weddings and and new couples and the whole gamut yeah so it's really amazing to be part of um people's life events whether they're good or bad you know help them through there's a lot of anxiety and overwhelm with brides and grooms people getting married and (laughs) that right piece that suits their lifestyle and so I get to help with that. Yeah. Um, and finding out their story, we can add elements into the design that's perfectly suited for their their story. Yeah. Yeah. So all through. And then when when people are celebrating anniversaries or birthdays or the birth of a child. So I, I usually start with either uh, on one end, the beginning of people's um, marriage journey and then also at the end and all through in between so if I meet somebody um, at the beginning of a a marriage and I'm making their wedding rings for them then usually I'm making giftware and things like that for them throughout their lives yes makes sense so you become almost like a personal jeweler (laughs) yeah and now I'm old enough that I'm I'm starting to do engagement rings and wedding bands for couples that uh bought wedding bands from me 20 30 years ago (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And I think it's a testament to you that you've stuck with it because you you said, you know, it's not always that easy to evolve and to build a business that actually can still fit into your lifestyle and not be killing you at the same time. So when you started to, I mean, I I love the way, you know, you bring it into this, the mentorship we found at Flourish and Thrive. That, That to me was so powerful because it was so connective but you were one of the people who showed up in that space most generously you know you really you gave as much as you took from it so I'm wondering how how much of a I mean I know how kind you are as a person it's just one of those things that I think that's what sort of when I got to New York and it's like oh my god this has been so worth it just to, <laughs> to forge those those bonds in the first place yep yeah but what, what stories come up for you when you th- start to think about kindness? Oh, my. Well, so many people have been kind to me and have reached out during times of need when my health was bad or I was having personal struggles. Um, 
Yeah. And so I need to actually thank you for showing up when I really needed you. And you had no idea. No. So that wasn't an act of kindness. That was just literally just, hey, Jeanette, let's check. You know, I, I haven't heard from you for a while. And, out and connecting yeah. with loved ones that you haven't heard from for a while. That is an act of kindness. Yeah. Um, and so by you doing that, reaching out to me, um, you didn't, you had no idea, but I was in a very dark uh, place where again, I needed to make changes in my life and I didn't have the tools at the time mm -hmm. to figure out what the problems were and what the solutions could be. And yeah. you really helped with that. Well, that's, you know, that's, again, I could say, well, that was me leaning into what I love doing. And I think it's so true. What you just said was when you go into those dark spaces, when things become tough, the possibilities suddenly narrow. You can't, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's either this or that. And I don't want either of those. There's no third door. There's no kind of, and it's such a simple thing when you, literally ask I mean you could have said to me I'm fine nothing to see here all good and that would have been the end of the conversation I guess yeah instead you said oh I love what you've been doing with the coaching let's let's see if we can make that work and just holding that space I was amazed at how whew, it was just transformational yeah and the release of of and I think that was what was waiting to happen was just, I, there's something I still have to say here. There's something I, I need more connection to that creative drive, which is mm -hmm. about the sustainability piece and, you know, all the stuff that's coming out with knitting and building that podcast around how you can live a sustainable life. It was just waiting for someone to say, yeah, you can do that. That would be amazing. The weird, the interesting thing is that I was really trying to stick with my ethics and my values and and create a sustainable life but it wasn't sustainable for my health no. I was doing it in a way that I made it difficult for myself yeah and how often do we not see you know that's that's part of coaching isn't it holding up a mirror and just going well it doesn't look like it's that challenging from here what 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 I can see is this and it's like oh oh Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. amazing. Mm -hmm. But what and I would say that switch yeah. in my mind. So everything was went from really negative thoughts to positive. And I started to create solutions for myself that would get me out of the hole that I felt I was I, I felt like I was being buried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I think Within the pandemic, there's there's a lot of that was part of the, you know, isolation. You're such a community-driven person. You're so connected normally that perhaps that was, it was an underlying factor was definitely that whole sense of, ah. And, and mm -hmm. also having things so out of our own control, I think, because there was so much externally wasn't wasn't within our control it can start to feel like we can't control anything else either, that we don't have any agency. But no, yeah. what, I, what I loved about those conversations was just how much then once you started shifting, it just brought out this whole new lease of, of real creative drive and enthusiasm for, for what yeah. you've been doing all along. 
well, during the pandemic, it made me realize there were so many roadblocks, whether it's delays in shipping back and forth, like me, if I order something and it would take longer to get to the studio than usual, then that puts a delay on our deadlines, like meeting our deadlines. So it just felt like um, every day I was putting out at least 10 fires. Yeah. So just running from, you know, one fire to the next. And that starts to really wear on your mental health. Absolutely. But the good thing that happened was I began to figure out how to simplify everything and find joy and freedom. Yeah. yeah. Which, so if that, that didn't happen during the pandemic, I wouldn't have changed probably. No. But it's so true what you were saying about often it's not an intentional shift that we make. Something's got to give. Mm-hmm. And, and quite often that is our physical health. Yeah. And it's when you listen. I think that's something else you're really good at is really listening to those, those signs around you. Okay, this is not working. I've got to make some changes here. As you say, simplify or just come at it from a different, different angle altogether and make that shift happen was just amazing. A lot of the time I wouldn't think of simplifying because sometimes it's viewed as going backwards. Mm. And now I remind myself every day that simplifying doesn't mean I'm going backwards. It's going towards my personal freedom, more towards personal, personal freedom, yeah. less anxiety, just less. <laughs> Yeah. What brings me joy? Okay. I'm yeah. That way. Yeah. Yeah. So more time for actually time. Having more time is such a luxury. Mm. Um, and that's what I didn't have before when everything was just too much, too busy, too overwhelming. So instead of putting money first now, I'm putting time and my health first. And I'm just going to let that guide me and hopefully everything will be fine. (laughs) I have such great faith that it will, partly because you're so good at what you do and that, you know, you were refining systems that it's, it's that I I remember Tracy used to always say, you know, work, work smarter, not harder. And it's that, Mm -hmm. it's that moment where you have to stop sometimes take stock of what's going on and then go, okay, what's going to be smarter as opposed to just carrying on doing more of the same, which is really killing me. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Now I know that um, when I said to you about music, you were saying this was a tough choice, (laughs) but how much, how much time do you get to listen to music over there in in Canada? Oh, so I'm listening to music uh, most of the time that I'm working. Really? Oh, so you yeah, want to it all always in the background? Yeah. When I'm creating, when I'm working on the bench. Yeah. Not doing one of the, the, the magical things about working with your hands is that you, you do have this. You can either listen to a podcast or you can, yeah, have something inspirational on in the background. I love it. Well, the most amazing part of um, creating with your hands and creating um, art pieces or jewelry or anything creative. Um, you can get into a zone mm. and just let like the music or the feeling or, you know, let it take you to where 
it's going to take you. That kind of state of flow. Yeah. Which isn't always that easy to access when you're overthinking things. You've got to finish it by tomorrow or, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the musician um, that is creating that for me right now is um, oh, Johnny Flynn. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a particular song, The Water. Makes sense. So that song gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it because I, I, there's so much symbolism in his words. Yeah. His voice just, I don't know, it's haunting to me. Um, and it takes me away. Um, but the lyrics and the way he plays steel guitar, it's almost folksy blues. I just love it. It sounds like it's from the past. It sounds ancient. Yeah. Um, but when he talks about the water in his lyrics, um, it's very symbolic and it, it, it conjures up all kinds of images for me. And I feel like what he's saying in the song is that if you let the water take you, if you just surrender to the water, yeah. it'll take you places um, just by like spontaneous It'll just take you there and you don't have to think about it. It'll just take you there. Well, what strikes me about that is, A, God, it must be a beautiful song. I can't wait to listen to it. But also that feels like a theme that's been throughout your life, something that when I let go, when I just surrender to something, good things happen. I'll get Mm -hmm. there in the end. It's just amazing. Just amazing. So, yes, I'm going to add that to the playlist. Can't wait to go and listen to it. And then what for you is the sort of piece of wisdom that you wanted to add to the collection, the thing that's kind of been a guide for you? Oh, I feel like it's the same as how I, how I was just describing that song. So if you just surrender to your muse, and the water is my muse yeah. in so many ways, like we need water. Um, <laughs> You're surrounded by water. Yeah. yeah. You have an island. Yeah. yeah. It inspires me in so many ways. Yeah, if you just let the muse take you, the possibilities, like you can't really focus on where it's going to take you, how much money you're going to make if, yeah. if you do things right or anything like that. If you just let the muse take you and you surrender to it, you'll come up with really amazing creative things. Wow. That feels like a real connection with your spiritual side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's been something that's really... I remember in, in New York, I guess because it was such a, a different environment and you were so used to that whole being out in nature, how, how you were so aware of, I think that was why Central Park was such an amazing space. It was like at least this greenery and yeah. Thank goodness for Central Park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you are someone who's really in tune with that spiritual side of yourself. And I think that's what drives that creative, artistic side inside. Uh, going to the beach and walking the beach and walking in nature, in the woods, that's, that's my church. Yeah, it does feel mm. like that, that yeah. real wilderness. And I know that was one of the themes that came up. I can't wait to see now that you're really, it feels like you're opening up to a whole new chapter, how that 
actually translates in your work. I think there's going to be a moment where we see a shift in a new sense of um, the signature changing. Mm -hmm. I think there'll always be that water influence, but somehow there's there's new stuff on the horizon. I feel like that that whole way of simplifying. I'm going to be deconstructing and simplifying. Wow. Mm. Wow. And isn't it funny? I don't know about you, but um, I yesterday I just had a whole day where I had lots of jobs to do, but all I really wanted to do was open cupboards and take things out and sort them out. And I kind of have to go through that process just before I do something creative. Yeah. It's a real kind of decluttering Yes. Yeah. Clear the decks and then I can start to breathe again. Well, right now I'm, I'm pushing through uh, to get orders finished that I've committed to. And so once that's done, I'm going to revamp my whole studio, declutter, uh, create a really beautiful open space because I'm I'm working alone these days. Yeah. So I have the whole studio where I can set things up really beautifully and comfortably and um, get rid of all the things I've been hanging on to thinking I'm going to use over the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that real sort of shedding. Um, yeah. And I think that's a natural instinct also in the Northern hemisphere, we're coming into spring. Yes. That's all part of it. It's just like, whew, shed some layers and just start to think about that energy of summer coming and yeah, what that's going to bring. Just amazing. Well, Jeanette, I would just like to say to anyone who's listening to this, definitely go and check out what's already a beautiful collection, uh, both on Jeanette's website and on her Instagram page. You can find the links to all of that in the show notes. But also, I just wanted to wish you the very best of luck with this new evolution and what's coming, because I just have this sense that it's going to be very powerful. Thank you. I can't wait to start. And the, the podcast, I've decided on a name for the podcast. Are you going to share it? Can we share it here? Yes. It's called We Are Golden. And it's so funny because I was thinking of We Are Golden. But then when I thought about it, it kept resonating with me. And when I was younger, as a teenager, I used to lie on the carpeted floor in my parents' den listening to records. And I had the Joni Mitchell record and I had... Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and that song Woodstock. There's a there's a line in that song. Um, we are golden, and we have to get back to the garden. So that that's that's basically what I'm going to be talking about. Back to the garden for me symbolizes back to simplicity, yeah. back to the earth, um, nature. Yeah. That is an amazing story. I'm tempted to add that Joni Mitchell song to the playlist too. I think we may. I know. <laughs> That's why I had such a hard time. <laughs> we'll put them both in there. That's allowed. That's the great thing about having your own podcast. There are no rules. <laughs> great. Oh, it's been such a joy to talk to you, Jeanette. We Are Golden sounds like it's going to be, I can already feel that it's a great community. You're going to attract so many people. And I love the fact that it really plays into jewellery as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's that connection. So there's there's a magical ring to it. Um, best of luck. And I look you forward know. to hearing all about it. Love you so much, Kat. Thank you. Lots of love. 
Bye now. Bye. Oh, my heart goes out to Jeanette and a big thank you to her for, I know that was her first podcast. She did an amazing job of telling her stories and I just wish her the very best of luck with that new creative project. We are golden. It's going to be such a source of inspiration for reconnecting to the simple things in life. I can't wait to listen. And in a bid to release the handbrake on my own creativity, I went on a brilliant course yesterday run by David Hyatt. David is the founder of Hyatt Jeans and also the Do Lectures, both of which are well worth checking out if you haven't heard of them already. And he's also a fantastic writer, which is why there were so many people who showed up when he says he's going to run a course on writing. The course was called Lazy Discipline and he set us the challenge of writing for 100 days, short posts, and then sharing them as you write them. So I'll be sharing those. There'll be some pretty crappy first attempts in the next few weeks. But an interesting story, he asked everybody in the, in the course to stand up and say, in 100 days, what's changed? And I said something pretty mundane about, oh, I'll have a writing practice and it will be a habit. What I should have said was, in 100 days, David Hyatt will be so impressed with the writing that I've done that he'll agree to come on the podcast, even though he's already got 40 other podcasts to speak on. That's going to be the measure of my success. And I do hope that it will come true at some stage. But in the meantime, do reach out if you've got a creative project that you want some help getting off the ground. Perhaps you just want to reconnect with what it is that inspires you. And believe me, once you do that, the world's your oyster. And to finish with, I've just got a couple of asks. If you feel inspired by what you've heard, if you like the show, please do share it with someone you think would benefit from listening. And if you feel inspired to leave a review, that also really helps to get the word out. Thank you so much for joining me. It just wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from. So I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.